sermon number 665, Taking the Stew Out of Stewardship, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, November the 11th, 1973. The text is taken from 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the seventh verse. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter, beginning with the sixth verse, the point is this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. November is the traditional time when people in the church are asked to think about the plans and the pledge they are going to make concerning their financial giving for the year to come. Consequently, November is the month when some church people get into a real stew, a real emotional upheaval and time of turmoil, because they have to ask themselves, what should I give? The only people that I know that excuse themselves legitimately from such a stew, turmoil, and mental agony are those that belong to the minority in every church, the tithers. You see, these people have taken the stew out of stewardship already making up their mind what it is that they're going to do. No matter how the Lord blesses them, they have already definitely decided the issue, their mind is made up, and 10% of the income that God blesses them, they are going to give, divided between their church, their place of worship, and also other worthwhile, beneficial projects. But if you are not a tither, and yet you are conscientious and trying to be honest with God and yourself, you have no choice but to get into a stew at stewardship time. And all what that stew can do I've seen it bring out ugliness in basically beautiful people. I have seen it make people who are normally calm very upset. 
I have seen people who usually are quite competent get on the defensive. I've heard some real irresponsible statements which usually indicate a great sense of guilt. And though they pretend to be reasons, they basically are only excuses, and everybody knows it. Now, my job that is assigned me today is not to add to any torment that maybe some of you are going through. I'm not here to add to the stew. I'm here to try to take the stew out of stewardship. And I have prayed to God in my study and before coming into this pulpit that he will give not only to my words understanding, but he will give power to your listening so that what is said will help, not hinder, and will possibly enable you to take some of the stew which you are in or will be in this week when you are asked in good faith to present your pledge next Sunday. And thinking about this, I came to the conclusion that you can't take stew out of stewardship without scripture. You see that this whole concept of stewardship, which so many of us talk about so often at this time of the year, is really basically misunderstood or not understood at all by so many people in the pew. Some people think that it is merely a clever idea born in the mind of some ambitious preacher or some avaricious finance committee. It's not. The whole concept of stewardship comes from the Bible. It's scriptural. It is introduced in the Old Testament and it is confirmed in the New. The way I present it, and the only way I can present it with any power or effectiveness, is based upon the fact that it is the Word of God, not mine. The whole concept of stewardship is based upon the premise that we bring nothing into this world, as all of us know. And before it's too late, I hope all of us know also that we take nothing out of this world. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That's you and me, brother. Everything that we have is a gift from God. The fact that you are alive right now, that's a gift of God. The fact that we have been privileged to see a new day and to be a part of a new morning, that's a gift of God. That beat, this very second that is going on in your heart, a gift. The breath that is in your lungs, a gift. If you have the ability to put two and two together and to think logically and constructively, that's a gift. We work hard with the talents that we have to try and perfect them, and that's the way it ought to be. 
But that still does not take away from the fact that the seed and the support for us to develop those talents, first of all, came from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God to us. That's what stewardship says. And it says also that God has given us these gifts because he believes in us. He has faith in you and in me. And he has given us the time that we will have here on earth, the talents which he has loaned to us, the money, the treasure that he has enabled us to invest and to advance. He has given all of these things to us because he believes that we will use them to bring joy and happiness and construction not only to ourselves but to the rest of the children in God's kingdom. He believes in you and me. He believes that he has given us the know-how to take these things and to convert them into meaningful experiences of love and of support to take care of the kingdom. You see, the time that you have here on earth is really not your own, it's a gift of God, and you are its trustee. The talents which God has given to you, whether they be in your mind or here in your hands, these are given to you only for a period of time, and you are their proprietor, their caretaker. The money that God allows to come through your hands, you are the one that has the responsibility as a trustee, we call it a steward, to see that it is used efficiently and effectively for good, yours and others as well. So therefore, you see, this is the concept which Scripture gives. And unless you understand that scripture, I don't think you have a chance of getting your stew out of stewardship. Thought is also another thing which is necessary to give you a comfortable feeling within this biblical concept. Unless you think upon this particular idea and the one that is coupled with it, with it and is equally important, that someday you will have to give an accounting for this time, these talents, and this treasure that's been given unto you. Someday, somewhere, you are going to have to account to God as to how you have spent your time, your talents, and your treasure. And when you realize that and give thought to that particular biblical idea that is not new with me but which comes from the Word of God, then I think we begin to use our time a little more constructively. No one of us knows how much time we have left. Realize some of us this may be the last Sunday that we're alive here on earth. We don't know, and thank God we don't know, when the hour is that God will come to take us home. But whenever that comes, what kind of an account will you make 
You see, if we think about this now, we have better chances of being faithful stewards. I think we use our time a little more constructively in our work and with our families that we have with us only for a short time and how we earn and spend our money. Do you know who I think is really the most tragic individual? Is that person who has been blessed greatly, who has worked hard, who has saved much, but who has enjoyed so little of the fruits of his labor. He really fouls up God's economy, you know. For God has given those talents unto him to, to enjoy. But when he only saves them and has not learned how to give of himself, his money, his time, his talents, he doesn't reap the benefit. And what's more, all of these things are left to, as a legacy to someone else who God really did not intend should have them. And that person, because he doesn't know how to cope with them, instead of finding blessings from them, he finds only sorrow and suffering. How many times we've seen it? You see, God expects you to think about your responsibility. And then he expects us to put a little effort into it. And when you put effort in thinking about this biblical concept, you'd be surprised how much steam that takes out of stewardship. You begin to realize that it's not easy to be a faithful steward. God never said it would be, and no church res responsible church leader would say so. It's tough to give an accounting day by day to God of how we spend our time, and all these other blessings, but God expects us to do it because he knows when we do it this way, not only ourselves, but others are going to reap the greatest benefit, and there's not going to be the waste, and a nation is not going to be thrown into a panic as appears is going to be the case here in America now. That's there simply because we have not been good stewards of the resources that God has given to us, and it's because we've not been thinking and have not been putting effort. <coughs> it takes effort, you see, in evaluating these things that God has given to us. You've got to count your blessings. That's what it means. And sometimes we hate to do that because when we realize how many blessings we have, it totals up to a great sum. And instead of making us feel happy, we feel sad because we know we're not returning a fair share. It means also that we've got to exercise discipline and we can't just do anything that we want to do or go any place that we want to go or, or spend on anything that we want. Not because we do not have the money, but because we are stewards and we know that that would be unwise. It means you've got to make sacrifices. And what are sacrifices? It means that you do some things you don't want to do. It means you say some things that maybe you don't want to say, and it means you give to some things that maybe you don't want to give to. But you make that effort, and without effort, there's going to be stew in your stewardship. But there has to also be worship. Worship. Why do you think we have the offering in a worship service? 
Oh, some of you say it's to pay for the pastoral staff and for missionaries. And you're right. Others say it's for programs, not only here but abroad. And you're right. Some say it's to give us heat and light within this building. And you're right. But those are not the main reasons we have an offering. Those are benefits granted. And we derive much from the gifts which are given. But the reason offering is a part of worship is to give all of us an opportunity to respond to God who has given us everything. The reason we have it in a worship service is so that we can say to God, thank you. The reason we have it is so that we do not come here as people saying, give me, but thank you. The reason we have it is to allow all of us to have a regular, systematic way of giving unto God the appreciation which is in our hearts for the realization of who we are. That's worship. Worship, you see, is celebration, and without celebration there is no worship. And one of the great things for which I thank my God regularly is that I have been in his providence allowed to be a part of a church that is cheerful. A church that knows excitement. A church that is on fire with the Spirit of God. A church where even strangers can come in and feel something in here which cannot be defined. God has his hand upon this church. It frightens me at times, but it's a great blessing. God works through you, and I hope through me. Why, I'm not exactly sure, but he does. There's never been a problem that has licked us. We don't preach a lot about money, but the money comes in. The way you sing those hymns, the support you give to me and the staff and the session of this church, I praise God for it. And you know, the reason why that thing is here is partly due to you. There are two things that are needed in worship. One, the Spirit of God and the response of man. And this church is greatly blessed, and I thank those of you who have given sacrificially, have gone to great effort, and done without, simply so that on a Sunday morning or through the mail, you could write a check or give your money in gratitude to God. God blesses that type of thing. For as Paul tells us, every man must make up his own mind what he is to give. And we're not to give under compulsion. We're not to give with feelings of dissatisfaction. But God loves a cheerful giver. And if there's no joy in your heart, when you mail that check or drop that envelope into the offering plate, I don't think you've quite caught on as to the meaning of what stewardship really means. There's only one way you can take out the stew, and that's with scripture, with thought, with effort, and with worship. But when you do, 
And I thank God for those of you who already have in the past and will continue to do so for the future. And my earnest plea is that some of you today will take that leap of faith and find joy in giving. You know, this church will even be greater than she is now. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Father, we're very, very grateful. Forgive us when we allow our money, the time, and the talents you've given us stand in the way of life. Help us this day and this week as we think upon the teachings of Scripture, as we make an effort to worship you with meaning so that we may feel not only and here in the future, but even now, those joyous words from the Master. Well done, thy good and faithful steward. And now may the grace, the mercy, and peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.